Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Suns Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Follow us there and follow us here. Hit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love the fact that college football is back and hate how weak the week zero slate was, this is the place for you. The Loyal Suns Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Section 5. Fellas, we're here. It is game week. Let's go. I can't believe we're saying it. It is game week. The Pitt Panthers are taking on the Wofford Terriers this Saturday at Heinz Field. Fellas, I'm giving you 30 seconds to do all the research you can on Wofford because I know none of you have done anything yet. So starting now. Get the type in. Uh, While you guys look for that, I mentioned in our intro that uh, hate the week zero slate. I have I, I have mixed feelings on week zero. I think at this point, it's just such a tease. And I think that's part of it, right? That we're supposed to get teased and get us ready for week one. And you watch Navy beat the hell out of a service academy. And this is supposed to be college football. But it's just so disappointing. Okay, the 30 seconds is up. <laughs> Fellas, what did you find on Wofford? I think we all know Sean Watson's the coach. Uh, yeah, Sean Watson's the coach. Um, I got that they're in the Southern Conference, and that is literally as far as I got. Yeah, there are actually close to zero Wofford football previews, believe it or not. Um, I see that Sean Watson is their coach, so expect a lot of uh, bootlegs to the quarterback's offhand side of the field. Uh, but this previous says they're transitioning to a West Coast offense, building for growth, and that gives them a predicted record of two and nine. And I saw that they're in Spartanburg, which is in South Carolina, and their uh, entire schedule outside of Pitt is a bunch of like vaguely familiar FCS schools: Samford, Mercer, the Citadel. I have a good tidbit here: the two returning quarterbacks on their team. Cade Rice was one of four for five yards last year. And Bryce Coriston was 0 for 2 with one interception last year. So quarterback depth might be a problem for the Terriers, believe it or not. I feel like when you schedule an FCS team, they're usually at least like a respectable FCS team, but it sounds like Wofford is terrible even in the FCS. So... I'm very, very intrigued to see how Saturday goes. I'm not going to get ahead of myself here, but this might be one where the boys are rallying to head to the bar in the third quarter. I don't ooh, know. Ooh, um, Wofford College isn't far from the headquarter for Denny's. Oh, that that worries me. It feels noteworthy. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've previewed Wofford. What do we glean from any of this? Not much. This is either going to be like a 74 to nothing game or the most boring, like 49 to nothing game ever. So basically you're saying we'll either beat them by 49 or 70. Yeah. But you know, like the early games, obviously Narduzzi isn't going to show anything. They might run the ball every single play for all we know. 
um, and it'll just leave you wanting more. Yeah, I. On one hand, I'm glad that we do get a bit of a tune-up game this year. Um, it's, I think it is beneficial for the team to get like a basically a scrimmage out there in front of the fans, get the game day, game day routines in place, get, let all the young guys get get on the field, um, get everyone some reps. But this, the hype around this, like, don't get me wrong, I'm insanely excited. For for Saturday. I'm so excited to tailgate. I'm so excited for football to start again. But the difference in how I feel now versus how I felt last week, a week before the first game being a primetime game against West Virginia, like opening the season with a real opponent is just so, so fun. And the hype is so much bigger. That being said, it's also a lot more nerve wracking. Yeah, it's so nerve wracking. I remember the backyard brawl was so nerve wracking, obviously. Uh, we left that game feeling on top of the world. But on the flip side, that Virginia game, people forget about when we opened against Virginia, we lost. There were some pissed off people. We were worried about the outlook for the rest of the season. If you lose a conference game week one, like you aren't fully screwed, but you're pretty screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stakes are almost a little too high when you're playing a conference game week one. I get what you guys are saying, like the amount of fun and anticipation leading up to week one last year was unlike anything I've seen in my entire life. But I am over the moon that we are starting off with a game that our backup should win by 70 points. I think think about last year. Think back to last year. At what week do we think we figured out what that football team was? Five, six. Exactly, because we started off with Power 5 opponent, Power 5 opponent that ended up finishing, like, top 10. Uh, Western Michigan with a third-string quarterback. Rhode Island with an injured quarterback. And then rattled off more Power 5 opponents. We didn't get to figure out what Pitt was because Pitt didn't really get to figure out what Pitt was because they kept playing really hard opponents, getting guys injured. We didn't know how good the other teams were. We didn't, we weren't able to then calculate how good we were. This gives us the opportunity to basically play a spring game in the fall and get guys going, get a little bit of a groove going. I am a huge fan of opening up with the worst team on our schedule. I am more of a fan of opening with the FCS team than playing them in like week four, like we've done with Rhode Island and New Hampshire in the past or week 11. If you're the SEC, right? But you're into the season at that point, And it's like, okay, I'm ready to play real opponents every week when it's such a just buzzkill when, all right, we just watched them play West Virginia, Tennessee. We watched the Nate Yarnell show. And now we have to go watch them play Rhode Island. And for those watching on video, we, we've got a guest with David right now. Is that is that who I think it is? Uh, this is Kitty Pickett. I adopted a cat. We're going to get to that in the final thoughts, but I had to scoop her up before she uh, ate, ate through my computer wires. Sorry, Dylan, continue. Yeah, like I was saying, I, I think doing it week one is much better than playing them in week four. At least week one, it's like, all right, it's it's the first week. I get to be back in Heinz Field. I don't care who's playing out there. I'm just back here with yeah. my friends on the North Shore in the stadium. 
So with, with all that being said, what do you guys want to see on Saturday on the field? Like, I know what you want to say. I know you guys want to see a ton of icy light, ton of chicken wings, uh, a bunch of people dressed in the blue and gold standing in the gold lot. But what do you want to see from the Pitt Panthers on the football field on Saturday to make you feel better about the trajectory of the 2023 season? I need to see Phil looking surgical. Maybe surgical's setting the bar a little bit too high, um, but I want him to look crisp. I want him to look clean. He needs to look accurate. If he's out there throwing ducks, throwing picks, making bad decisions, I'm I'm going to be very upset if he's out there throwing ducks to wide open guys or you know right on the numbers. Then I'm going to be very excited. I will go one step further. I just want to see him uh, making quick and confident decisions. Obviously, everything else he said is nice, but I want him to look very comfortable in the pocket, unlike the guy in the center last year who seemed super timid and didn't know what he was doing and was afraid somebody was going to come at his blind side any given second. So uh, Phil looks comfortable in the pocket, calm, cool, and collected. I'll feel pretty good about uh, things going forward. Uh, especially Bub Means. I want to see a big Bub Means game. I want to see Phil drop back, first read Bub Means, throw it to him. Yeah, I think offensively... I want to see somebody be the number one target. Yeah, offensively, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you guys with Phil, but really, I want to see some receivers step up and make plays, like you said, Bub Means. We've heard all of this talk about the freshman wide receivers during camp. I'd like to see maybe Kenny Johnson catch a deep ball for a touchdown. Izzy Polk, Lamar Seymour, Zion Fowler L. I'd like to see one or two of those guys make some plays and look like real guys. And Kitty Pickett just knocked David's microphone off his desk. Um, but I would like to see those guys look like real guys and look like people we can actually count on moving forward in this season. Maybe a Shea Nuobuko deep ball, kick return touchdown, something, something mm-hmm. from the track star. I don't think the defense will be challenged at all. I don't know what nope. I could even think of for the defense. Maybe just see who like the alpha on that D line is. Who's the guy that leaves the game with like two and a half sacks and like another two tackles for a loss. Uh, see who's going to take charge. And maybe the last thing, just no really, really bad blown coverages. Like double move. This guy's wide open by 30 yards walking touchdown. Cause I feel like, we're good for like one of those in these like games that were like 40 point favorites. Yeah. I, more than anything, I want to see the defensive line get in a groove. I want to see them build confidence and I want to see the guys that have been waiting in the wings all this time to show out. If, if Dayon can get one of his patented two or three sack games, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable going into Cincinnati and West Virginia, knowing that like, okay, He's he's definitely in a good headspace now. He he showed out in week one. He was given an opportunity to start week one and took advantage of it, even if if the dude blocking him is not much better than most high school players. It's it's all about getting in a in a rhythm. It's all about getting confident for playing big opponents. So I mean I I, I think it's obvious what you're you're looking for your for from your team 
against an inferior and way overmatched opponent week one. You don't want to see penalties. You don't want to see blown assignments. You want to see them look crisp, surgical, and then be the hell out of there by the second half. Yeah. If there's without ever... injuries, no injuries. Right. Yeah. If there's anything at any point in this game where I have to start like looking over my left shoulder, over my right, looking at you guys, like, okay, this is a little more interesting than I was hoping. <laughs> um, so the Rhode if... Island game. Right. Yeah. If yeah. we have a Rhode Island S game, we're going to have some issues. So, yeah. Hopefully it's just an absolute steamrolling and. You know, we can get some of those twos, the threes in, get those guys some reps, maybe get some of those young freshmen on the field, the guys who probably won't burn their red shirt. Maybe this is where they get some of those game time reps in this game. Uh, A guy like Ghost Neal, we want to see out there getting some reps. Uh, Jordan Bass, I'm excited to see him play. He feels like a guy who will probably burn his red shirt just because he's going to be good enough to play in more than four games this year. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back in the stadium. I'm excited about this new wave of Panthers. I think we've talked about this before, but it's like that core group of guys, especially like on the D line last year with Haba, Deslin, John Morgan, kind of seeing those guys move out. And some of these guys that have been waiting in the wings, like Dayon, the Kai Johnson, uh, Sean Fitzsimmons to get, get these guys some real game time reps and see what they look like out there on Saturdays. I'm really excited for that. So, um, Anything else? Uh, I know it's not, you know, sexy for entertainment purposes, but I really wouldn't blame Narduzzi if if he took the most conservative approach imaginable, um, buried the playbook a little bit, you know, let let Phil attempt fifteen passes, twenty passes, and then had him out of there in the third quarter gave Rodney 15 touches. He's got an injury history. We have a deep backfield. I think 15's even too many. You think I, so? I don't think Rodney we should not need Rodney Hammond to touch the ball 15 times to win that game comfortably. I'd like to see them figure out the rest of that running back room. I I'd say give give the receivers a couple more snaps, but you know mix in a lot of the young guys so we can really see in-game situations who's going to be a guy. I want to see a lot of separation from them playing the overmatched corners of an FCS program, a shitty FCS program. Um but but really there's guys we can ill afford to lose this year especially um with the offensive line apparently we don't report on injuries but apparently thinning out uh a little bit in, in the past couple weeks, you know, get a couple cohesive drives, get a couple touchdowns on the board, and then just start pulling dudes that need to be ready to go against Cincinnati and West Virginia. Feels like a game where Dan Carter could just show out spring game 2.0. Let's get spring game mm-hmm. Dan Carter in there. I love that. That that might have to factor into some of my uh, some of my sports book prognostications maybe maybe well we'll get to that um but up next we've got a great interview with the acc network's very own eric mclean he was kind enough to give us his time we talked a lot about pit he loves pit which i love to hear uh big pit supporter over there at the network and talked a little bit about the rest of the acc as well and he gave us uh, a good outlook there so uh, without further ado, here is Eric Mackline. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. 
even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Please welcome onto the show a very, very special guest, the ACC Network's own Eric McLean. Eric, how are we doing, brother? Man, I got to tell you, it's about time. We've been working on this for a while. <laughs> uh, the the freaking road show is consuming my life. Uh, and, and, you know, you never know what's going to be happening when. So I appreciate y'all's flexibility. And uh, it, it's awesome to talk a little pit po- po- football with you guys here today. Yeah, we appreciate you squeezing us in. You told us you're in Chapel Hill right now, getting ready to go see yeah, UNC. Chapel Hill, man. I'm, I'm seeing those Tar Heels and, uh, you know, excited to see him. You know, I think Drake's a really good quarterback and, and that offense should be humming. But, you know, defensively, it'll be interesting to see to see what they look like kind of moving forward this year. I know a lot has been expected of uh, Gene Chizik since he, he came over and not a lot has uh, really precipitated. Is is that team, you know, not to lead off talking about the Tar Heels and not Pitt, but is that team going to be as much Drake May versus the world as we've been led to believe? Or do you think they got some guys we should be worried about? Well, you know, I, I think the interesting piece is, is going to be, uh, you know, Tez, Tez uh, Walker. And, and is he able to go? You know, is, is the NCAA going to? you know, keep their crazy mindset. I mean, Tennessee's out here committing 200 plus violations and they get a little slap on the wrist, but you know, a kid tries to play football and heck no, we got to shut that down. Uh, it, it's such BS, man. I can't stand that damn institution. Excuse me. Um, but <laughs> I think, it, I think it will be interesting. Um, and the defense is confusing to me because of the, the star power that should be there. Um, that just, you know, hasn't delivered, you know, how can those guys continue to step up? Gene Chizik ain't missing any tackles, right? Like he's not, not getting after the quarterback at the end of the day, your, your, your dudes gotta be dudes. And, uh, they just, they just haven't been able to fully reach their potential quite yet. Yeah, I know that's a big matchup we have circled. We have the backyard brawl right before it. So that's our main focus, but that's right. (laughs) We'll, we'll be ready for the Tar Heels when they come to town. Yeah, and the Tar Heels, I think for us, fellas, please tell me if I'm wrong here, but it's really, in terms of ACC opponents, we've been looking at UNC and FSU as the ones we have circled, as those are our big roadblocks, right, if we want to make it back to Charlotte. But do we have some blinders on here? Like, do you think there's other teams on Pitt's schedule that you're like, whoa, don't overlook Louisville, Syracuse? Right. Yeah, let me pull that up as we ask it. What an idiot for not having the schedule ready. Um, you don't I, have it memorized? Yeah, right. That, what, it's not your wallpaper? Story. Yeah, it's been our wallpaper for the last eight months, so understand if you don't have <laughs> um, it. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. I, I think I think the Duke game at the end could be really interesting. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of has 
Clemson, Florida State locked, right? Like that's what everyone thinks. No matter what, that's going to happen. And we know in this conference, it, it never quite is that. Uh, and then some of that coastal chaos, of course, is is disappearing, sadly. All right, um, all right, you know, who, who, yeah, right. <laughs> who, who's going to be that team? And you know, I, I think that that Pitt and Duke are are kind of those two teams that are just like right there. Like, what the heck could they be? What are they going to turn into? Um, and of course, you guys cap it off finishing the year with them. And, and you know, so is that essentially a, a play-in game into Charlotte? And, and how fun would that be? So I think Duke, out of the teams you just mentioned, is is probably another team uh, that that I would I would be cognizant of for sure. I've also heard a little bit about uh, Louisville, and you know, so <clears throat> Pitt fans. I think we tend to try to focus on Pitt and put the blinders on everything else. Uh, so can you can you educate me on Jake Plummer's boy? Because I I hear that he's coming over from Cal to Louisville, and <laughs> among the teams that could quietly make noise, that was an oxymoron. Louisville is among them. Yeah, um, I, I think the reason why Louisville is among them is because of uh, I don't ever want to say easy because I think that that takes away from our conference. I don't think any schedule is easy, but I do think it's favorable um, when you do not play Clemson, when you do not play Florida State, when you do not play UNC, the two ranked teams right now or the three ranked teams, excuse me, in the ACC. That is favorable. And Louisville does not have to face any of them. So, you know, I, I think that it, it's something where if it was like year two, maybe you're talking about them potentially being in Charlotte because you know what you're going to get. You know the system. You know all this. There are so many unknowns for me with Louisville. A uh, whole new staff, uh, you know, who's coming home and the pressure and the expectation of Coach Brom and the things that are all associated with that, being a, a player, a captain, I believe his jersey uh, is retired um, for there. So there's a, there's a lot of expectation and pressure from that standpoint, not to mention that they have changed, added whatever, uh, 41 new players on the team. I mean, that's crazy. That, that's a, a total roster overhaul. So I have no clue what to expect from Louisville. But when you look at Plummer, when you see what he was able to do, you know, at, uh, you know, Purdue there and then go off to Cal and have, I believe, 3,000 yards last year, like 62 or something percent completion, very nice turnover to or touchdown to turnover ratio. I just have to think that if he can stay healthy and stay consistent in this offense – uh, that Coach Brom is going to want to run, uh, he should have a, a nice year. So, you know, certainly something to keep your eye on. But I, I think there's so many question marks that you, know, you guys play them week seven. Uh, certainly you'll know who they are by then. Uh, but it, it's too much to tell early with those guys, I think. So we've touched on a few of those other ACC teams, other teams on Pitt's schedule. Obviously, we want to talk a lot about Pitt because that's all we talk about. Um, we want to ask you – as someone who doesn't have the homer blinders on, who obviously covers the rest of the conference, yeah, throw them on, throw them on for us for the next half hour. But, one uh, of us, one <laughs> of us. But yeah, so where, what do you see Pitt's role in the ACC? Because I feel like it's been a, we've been a program who, especially the last few years, has come on and we feel like we we deserve respect, we demand respect. We've been one of the more productive and competent teams in the conference but right. do you still feel like there's like a bit of a outsider outcast thing with Pitt going on in this conference basically it, why are we still being picked to finish sixth in the right. ACC every year right right and even from the um, national perspective why is there not you know more respect I mean I saw the graphic the other day about the 
Hall of Famers. And, I mean, you guys are up there with all these monsters. And it's just – it's so weird. I don't know. I guess it's because you're up north. Like, no one cares, right? Like, past Virginia, (laughs) it's like no one cares about college football, allegedly. Um, You know, it's all about down here in the the southern – eastern part of uh, uh of america um i don't know it is so weird because even when i talk to people and w- when they just glaze over pit i'm just like what, what are you talking about like do you know what these guys are have done do you know what they do in this league i mean it's second and wins i don't know the year standpoint but only behind clemson in the past couple of years have more draft picks than clemson like what are we talking about these guys have, have really produced and played at a super high level have an acc championship amongst the middle of this Clemson crazy, you know, domination of the, of the league. So, and, and beat them to do it in that year, in the regular season. So for me, man, um, it's always interesting when I see the pit disrespect, I would say maybe the, the, the predicted order of finishes, you know, probably just contingent on what people saw last year from a quarterback perspective. Um, not quite knowing, you know, what kind of Phil Jakovic are you going to have there? Uh, and, and maybe just the offensive firepower from a, receiver standpoint i think you have guys um but it's it's the consistency it's it's the you know production how can they get back to where they want to be but also those coaches want them to be so i know you're going to be good i just don't know how good every year it's something we battle because we want the respect it's like why aren't we ranked preseason why are we not being picked to be among the top of the acc but on the other hand we think that might be pat narduzzi's like secret sauce uh, the disrespect and the ability to have a chip on your shoulder the size of the state, I think that's what gets this team like over the top each year. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's any question about that. And, I mean, he he kind of even, you know, talked about that with, you know, the rankings and the preseason rankings on, on our show earlier, uh, you know, this week where, you know, he doesn't pay attention to it, but I know he does. I know he has that thing printed out and he's talking to everybody about it. And, you know, he's saying, look, boys, they still don't believe in us. Um you know, little Pittsburgh, we got to go make it happen. So, and that's good, right? It's good to have that firepower and to be able to create it for yourself and you know, just really get in, people inspired and, and trying to go in the right direction. Yeah, uh, Coach Narduzzi, so today's uh, August 23rd, Wednesday that we're recording this. You released today on your own podcast uh, an interview with Coach Narduzzi, and he uh, – I don't want to say specifically, but definitely calls on James Franklin specifically for voting, <laughs> voting pit behind UCA, UCLA last year. Right. And uh, and we we love that. We love how how petty uh, he can be about that. And, and we kind of embody that as pit fans. We get really annoyed about the preseason rankings. But even on a macro level, like you look at realignment, which we aren't going to talk about realignment this close to the season. We might, but later. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but even even when you're talking about this, like, oh, these schools all want to leave the ACC and they're going to find a home in the SEC or, or the Big Ten, and they're listing, like, Virginia and Virginia Tech who haven't won shit in God knows how long. And, and Pitt just isn't, even on a larger level, talked about as a valuable brand or asset to the ACC. Right, and, and which is weird. It's so weird. All this stuff, man, with the way that it's – and I don't know, is it the pro town? You know, why is it? You know, why why isn't it valued as such? Because, again, it's it's a game-wrecking program that produces first-round draft picks, that produces unbelievable talent um, year after year. So I, I really don't get it other than the the markets and the things of that nature. Is it is it shared? Are you already checking a box with, you know, the school down the road? Is it, is it too much of a pro town where you don't feel you have the same whatever – 
Uh, I just worry about the product on the field. And, uh, you know, you guys check that box more, more often than not, more other than other teams. Let's talk about that product on the field. Uh, I know you mentioned Phil Dracovic. What Phil Dracovic are we going to get this year? Is there a certain player on this team you're most excited to watch? Hmm. You, you threw me a ball there for offense, but I'm, I'm going to go defense. I think Deion Hayes has a real shot, you know, to be the next guy, right? Like just to be a, a war daddy, um, you know, to be that war next daddy. One. Yeah, come on. That's what we need. Uh, you know, just a guy that is so versatile in his bag, that has a lot of moves, a lot of creativity, and, and one of the best, if not the best, defensive line coaches in America with Charlie Partridge there. Um, I'm excited to see him kind of fully unlocked now that it's his his turn. And, uh, you know, what is he able to do? What kind of things is he able to bring to the defense? Um, offensively, I mean, it's easy to say Rodney Hammond Jr., like especially what he did that game one and the expectations we all kind of had for him. But I think it will come down to one of these receivers, like Means and, and Mumfield, who, who can step up to be the guy. Because you've got Gavin, who's this great, reliable target, but he, he can't you know, be the center of the universe. We need a, we need an outside you know, big play target to, to really emerge and, and to, you know, really be the guy for you. So who of those two, or is it somebody else, you know, on, on the roster? I know there's a couple of freshmen that, you know, coach said time and time again to us, they're going to play. Uh, who can step up to be that wide receiver one and be a real downfield threat? So have, have you been hearing anything as to that number three receiver? <laughs> he just says freshman. I don't know who it is. He just says freshman. Um, you know, and, and it's so funny, you know, you go back and forth and, you know, just see from guys and, and you hear the different things and it's like a different name per week, right? Like who you hear, who's going to step up. I'm going back to my research here. I, ha I have a, a, a pit insider, my boy, Patrick Revan. He says, Kenny Johnson's been, you know, getting a lot of love and, and you know, a guy that, man, if he can step up and, and you get these young dudes to, to really roll, that's what you need. So I'm excited to see it. Who's it going to be? Um, you have to think one of the freshmen are going to make moves, but it's got to be somebody. You got to have that downfield presence consistently catching the ball. Yeah, I know Chris Brookins got to talk to the media today, the freshman safety uh, from this area, but they asked him who who's best out of that group. It was Kenny Johnson, and then Zion Fowler L has got a lot of hype early yeah. in camp. So super athlete there. Um, but yeah, obviously other guys have to step up now. But back to Phil, because you've been watching Phil and you've seen him around this conference. Right. Um, and you saw him play with Frank Signetti back in 2020. We watched him beat our Pitt Panthers with Kenny Pickett that year. Um, what do you think the biggest thing? Yeah, I, I don't even know why I brought that back up. It was a bad night. Real bad night. <laughs> Phil Dracovic and Boston College beat Kenny Pickett is a hilarious sentence in hindsight. Yes, and now it's coming full circle, and that now there's a good spin zone for me to bring that game back up. But uh, like, what do you what do you really think the key will be for Phil? I mean, I guess staying healthy would be a big yeah. thing. But what do you, what will it take for him to get back to what he was showing flashes of in 2020? Yeah, for, for me, that's number one, man. If this dude wants to get drafted, if he wants to play at the next level, he's got to prove that he can play a, a season, right, and and unblemished and ready to go because he has all the tools. He's a big, massive kid. He's a football player. He's he's a dude that'll sacrifice him, himself for the betterment of the team. Um, and, and can he just put all that together in one season and, you know, not be not be sidelined at any given time? I think that, you know, playing at Pitt this year, he's obviously going to have a much better offensive line than he did a year ago at BC, who was just riddled with injury. Uh, he could not run the ball. I think they were one of the worst in America 
in, in running the football. Uh, Pitt's going to be able to do that um, and really get it going. And, and it just comes down to those receivers that I mentioned, who's going to step up to be the guy. But, you know, Phil's got it all. I, I think in a perfect world, uh, especially with Coach Signetti and the depth that, you know, you guys have in this running back room, um, if it can be 60 run, 40 pass, you feel great about it. You, that means you're controlling the tempo, you're grinding it out, you're hitting big plays over the top when you need it, and your defense is probably playing at a super high level. Um, so if we can find that in this pass happy world we live in and throw in the football, um, I think the pick can be a really dangerous team because it's also frustrating too, right? When you can run the football at will and you can control the clock and, and you really limit the opponent's, you know, abilities and opportunities to, to play football offensively. Uh, and that's tough because then you even roll into getting a little technical here. Sorry, but you even roll into thinking, hey, we only have a couple of chances here with the football. We have to make a play, and then you force the issue, then turnovers happen, and your offense continues to go. So I think that's the perfect world for Pitt, you know, in, in, in what we want to see offensively. It's just, a, you know, an execution thing and, of course, staying healthy. I think really uh, – I was going to say, I think Narduzzi's ears are perking <laughs> up like that. Like you just You're speaking his language. <laughs> <laughs> so – Speaking of Phil, uh, do you watch any of the clips coming out of camp, any of the state-sponsored media uh, that Pitt pushes out? Um, I'm assuming you do. So my question for you is, how important is being able to throw a spiral? <laughs> uh, it is It is pretty important. It's pretty important. And I've actually kind of heard some of that rumblings, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've officially taken the stance that we don't care if it's flipping end over end as long as it ends up in the receiver's hands. As long as somebody catches it, I could care less what it looks like. Uh, but it is easier to catch if it's a spiral. <laughs> Noted. Is is that something we should be worried about? Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Happy, happy no, to no, no. We'll be good. We'll be good. We'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. 40 boys. 60-40. Phil, Phil beat Kenny Pickett. Come on. Yeah, he threw for a career uh, yards that day, right? Like 400 yards or something crazy. Yeah, there were a just, lot of deep touchdowns. Yeah. I still have nightmares of Zay he Flowers. He also got sacked like eight times that night too, though. It was so weird. That whole game was very strange. It was the COVID year. We can just yeah, kind of chalk it all up to that. Mix extra points, 58-yard oh, field goals. This is such yeah. a dark place. What are we doing? <laughs> this happens quite often on this show. <laughs> We're Pitt fans. There's a lot of dark places to go. <laughs> We're kind of the uh, cursed, ancient, native burial ground of college football. Yeah, I get it. I understand. But it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement uh, that Pitt is going 12-0 and this year. At least that's what yes. I'm gleaning from, you know, your, your ringing endorsement of the team and the, uh, the conservative play calling. Uh, is there any reason you think Pitt might not go 12 and 0 this year or are you fully fully invested in the playoff um, yeah you know i think uh i think obviously with notre dame being on the schedule no one in the acc can beat them so that's going to be tough uh that's uphill battle it's the weirdest relationship ever um so if you guys could do that that would be very warranted um, hold your cover revenge game that's right exact please you know couldn't do it at bc maybe we can do it here um i, I think the stretch of Wake, uh, Notre Dame, Florida State, and then, like I said, finishing with Duke. No disrespect to Cuse and BC, but, like, that's tough. And and that's a a tough deal there. And and understanding, you know, where you're going, going to Wake, going to 
uh, Notre Dame there going to Duke. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. And, uh, you know, just so, so looking at that and, you know, how can you manage that how, again, quarterback play, how do you stay healthy? Do you have a, a change in there at any point? Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. Let's go 12 and zero. let's get it done. Love it. Well, okay. Even if they don't go 12 and zero, we want to get back to Charlotte, maybe meet up <laughs> with you down there, have a few drinks, but so could you finish this sentence for me? The Pitt Panthers made their return to the ACC championship game in 2023 because blank. Uh, they beat Florida State. I think that's that's a great opportunity. And the good thing is they're on the schedule, right? It's not you don't need anybody else's help. You know, they're there. You know, if you have Clemson or Florida State, uh, you, you know, you, you can control your own destiny there. So I think that's that'll be the biggest key, right, is, is how much of the opportunity – you know, can you take within? And then I refer back again, we're going to a dark place. I'm sorry. Uh, but that Western Michigan game, I mean, that kept you out of the playoff. That's crazy to think about the opportunity. Dude. got darker fast. I'm sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know, how can we do that as a team? How can we come together and take those lessons as a, probably a coaching staff, uh, maybe not quite from a player personnel standpoint and, and say, guys, let's rally, let's get this done. And, and, you know, finish how we want to finish. Um, a lot of opportunity for this Pittsburgh team. And again, I, I think when you look at the defense and, and how they play, which is aggressive as all get out, their base personnel is blitzing. That's what they do. They're coming after you. Um, how can you kind of combine that with a, you know, an offense that gets it done enough, especially running the football to, to make some waves here and make that game uncomfortable, you know, for, for Florida state and, and get it done. I'm going to crawl deeper into the the abyss real quick because I don't know the next time I'm going to be able to ask. It's okay. I don't know the next time I'm going to be able to ask someone as tapped in on college football as you this question. It gets darker? It, what? <laughs> if, if Pitt had beaten either Western Michigan or Miami in 2021, do you actually think that they were in the playoff? Uh, probably not if you lost to Western Michigan. But I think if you beat Western Michigan, you're in the playoff. I don't think it's a debate, right? Because that's one loss, right? It's one loss, ACC champ. We we would have had to get in over uh, undefeated Cincy, though. I no, think is it doesn't matter. <laughs> a one, hey, listen, a one loss ACC champ has never and will never be out. You know what I'm saying? And it was right there. And uh, yeah, you guys ruined it for us. I appreciate it. <laughs> it was one for us too. All right, isn't that crazy? Because then we would have seen Kenny in the postseason, which that ticked me off. But I understand. Uh, and that Michigan State game, my gosh. Think, think. Let's just think about a whole bunch of stuff. Because if he would have played that game, he probably would have broken every record known to man, how bad their pass mm. defense was. Um, you know, instead we get concrete shoes that can't move a lick uh, going back there in our third-string quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he would have. I think if you would have beat Western Michigan, I think you made the playoff. That yeah, hurts so bad, man. <laughs> Let's just print the banners, the what if banners, and we can put it behind us. You know, those are fun. <laughs> Do you think Kenny deserved that Heisman? <sighs> Who won it that year? Devonta Smith? Uh, it was Bryce, uh, Bryce Young. Nah, hard to give it, hard to not give it to him. I had, uh, I, I do have a Heisman vote. I don't tell a lot of people that. Um, and you told I had, the wrong people that, by the I'm way. Sorry. I'm sorry. I had Kenny second. I had him second behind Bryce. Um, I mean, they were just so good that year. Uh, it, it was tough, but he, man, that fake slide and the things that he did. I mean, he's just a, he's a badass man. I love watching Kenny Pickett play. I'm so excited that he's, you know, still in Pittsburgh and with the Steelers. And I think they're, 
man, with him and, and old George Pickens, I think they're going to have a crazy year and uh, super excited to see him. But yeah, maybe not win it, but for sure, I had him at uh, number two there. We'll we'll take that. We'll take that for now. We're a couple years removed. I think at the time we would have wanted to oh, cuss yeah. you out, but uh, we 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 can live with it now. Yeah, I we still do in, a little. Maybe in like four or five months, we'll be in your DM saying, "Hey, you want to vote for Phil Jacoby for high? Yeah, He's had a pretty hey, great year, man. I hope I can do that. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. Well. Eric, this has been a ton of fun, and we appreciate you taking your time out to do this for us. But before we let you go, we got a little thing we like to do with all our football guys. It's called All Out Blitz. Come on. So we've got we've got a handful of questions for you. They can be they're rapid fire, but if there's a little bit of backstory or story with it, give it to us. Uh, we're not in a rush. But uh, without further ado, here we go. Uh, start off. What's the non-conference game you're most excited for? For any ACC FSU, team. FSU, biggest game of the year. Can't wait. And it just, it sets the tone, right? Like, you know, that's such an opportunity for our league to, you know, beat our chest against the SEC West champion, right? Everybody who, who has all these high expectations for those guys to, to go out and to make some, some real, uh, real headway there. So outside of that, though, it's the backyard brawl every day. Let's go. Let's go. What is the in-conference game you're most looking forward to? Hmm. I hate that I keep saying FSU, but FSU Clemson, I think, is a no-brainer. Um, it's just, That's a massive game, right? It's probably going to be ABC, probably going to be game day. A uh, lot rides on that. You know, do we see those two teams twice? Um, yeah, that's probably – and again, please don't ask me another FSU question. <laughs> yeah, they're playing to see who faces Pitt and Charlotte, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Uh, who's going to win ACC Player of the Year? Ooh. You didn't not ask me another FSU question, so I'm angry about this. I think Jordan Travis. I think God. he's going to have a really bad year, <sighs> big year. Statistically, um, just the ownership that he's going to have of, of the offense, the star players, man, that he has around him is is bonkers. Um, so, out, you know, bearing an injury, I don't know how he's going to be denied. It's, it's going to be sexy. People are going to like it. Um Florida State being back, that massive brand, whatever being back means. Um, We've been hearing it on Twitter. We've been hearing it on Twitter. I think it would. I think it would be hard to keep him out of that if he's you know a thirty five hundred passer, thousand yard rusher. I mean, I I think he'd lock that up pretty quick. Side quest question: Uh, Are you bought into the Klubnik Riley pairing and how it's going to save Clemson? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's the real deal. Um, He's gotten bigger. Uh, which I think is important. You know, he he was pretty, you know, skinny last year. The explosiveness of that offense is, is going to be, you know, nuts. And, uh, you know, just the concept that they run, very refreshing for Clemson fans, maybe not refreshing for anybody else. Um, and then just his mobility. I mean, that that was such a key to Clemson's offense. And, and I mean, you guys saw it. You saw it in person. Um, you know, when you have a statue in the backfield, it is hard to execute at a high level of fast tempo offense. And, of course, they don't have that anymore. All right. I'm going to try to give you an on Florida State question here. I don't know what the culinary scene's like in Tallahassee. What ACC city has the best food? Oh, Pittsburgh. You kidding me? Come on, baby. We got your steaks. You got your Italian, whatever you want right there. One of my favorite places to go eat. We'll take that one. What is your favorite ACC fan base? Hmm. Favorite ACC non-Clemson fan base. I like how you phrased the question. Uh, 
Florida State can get annoying quick, so probably not them. NC State can come after you. Honestly, guys, I have a lot of love with Pittsburgh. You guys do good for, for everything that I post. You're very nice. Um, it's good fun when there is kind of some back-and-forth banter. I'll go with Pittsburgh here. Yeah, if you show us love, we'll show you love back. That's right. No, no On the flip side, who's your least favorite ACC fan base? Or maybe yeah. more politically correct would ask this, which yeah. fan base gets after you the most on Twitter? Hmm. You know, it does, it does change, uh, you know, depending on what you, what you do or what you say, like if you post something like the other day, I just got ridiculed by Georgia tech fans, all 12 of them. Um, (laughs) It was was like, bam, bam, bam. I was just like, Whoa, where'd you all come from? Uh, That was fascinating. Probably Florida state. Like they, they just can be so arrogant and just like, man, come on guys. Like, what are we doing here? But I mean, they had a lot of great tradition. Um, you know, one national titles with arguably the best team of all time in 2013, uh, which I got absolutely destroyed by those guys. That was fun. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of them and they can come after you. <laughs> Last but not least, who is going to win the ACC championship this year? Close your ears, boys. I'm sorry, but uh, I think, I think daddy's back. <laughs> I think the Tigers are back. Um, you know, with that offense, how improved I think it's going to be um, the depth, the size. And again, I know y'all don't want to hear this, but w- when I go there and I see practices and I see those guys, they just look a lot different. You know, they're, they're big, they're fast, they're explosive. And it, it's, you know, one, two, three deep too. It's not just the ones, right? Like when most places you go, you can see guys and you're like, okay, that's impressive. But when you see the guys behind them and you see the guys behind them, it's just kind of a different level. And, and so I, th- I think they do it um will be interesting to see if they if they do it running the table or not if there's a hiccup you know along the line you know if anybody kind of sneaks up on them uh, or even that florida state game at home um but I, yeah I, I think clemson kind of gets back to their ways and it really starts kind of putting a hurting on people give us a percent chance it's pit <laughs> uh i have pit at four um hmm to win it, to win it, or to play in the game? What? To win it. Oh, man. This is like all kinds of bulletin board material. Uh, sorry, I'll say 3%. It's not God good. damn it's not good. So you're it's saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. I didn't say one. I was thinking, should I flirt with one? I'll say three. I like that number. Shout out to Jordan. Right. RIP. Well, we, we got to end on. Oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a way more favorable interview than it has been. You have, you have taken us down some dark rabbit holes. Jeez, man. We got to end it on a, on a more positive note. You haven't, you aren't giving us the ACC championship um, or, or a couple other things. You're saying we blew it in 2021. Tell us, and please be as rosy as possible. What does Pat Narduzzi and Heather like have to do to take this program to the next level, to take those next steps from frisky to yeah. this is a legitimate team with a legitimate chance. Yeah. I, it's just keep winning, man. And I know that's not easy to do. I know how hard it is to win, but the, the, you know, level of consistency that we've seen from Pittsburgh is admirable. And, and the way that they do it, the coaching staff that you have, 
the players that you develop, like it's not a bunch of five stars walking around. Like you got to get guys and mold them, you know, into pit men and, and the, the, how hard they work there. Um, so I truly just think it's a time, t- time thing. Like how long can we keep those two together at the end of the day? And, and, you know, I know everybody wants this pill or this magic thing to make it happen overnight. Um, but I do, I have a lot of belief in pit year after year. And I, you, you've earned that you've deserved that uh, to where it's, it's the benefit of the doubt that, no matter who you lose, offense or defense, I know that Coach Narduzzi has guys or will go get guys and be ready to go. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I just really admire about him and your program, the the, the, the blue-collar, hard-edge, you don't believe in us, okay, we're going to line up and kick your ass. That that type of mentality for me is he's a guy I'd love to play for or would have loved to play for, and, uh, you know, he, he he's going to get it done. I truly believe that. We'll take that. <laughs> That's exactly what we were looking for. Come on, baby. Got me ready to run through this wall over here. But uh, <laughs> football is so close, and we, we know how close it is and how busy you are. So we can't thank you enough for coming on, talking up our Panthers a little bit, taking us down a few pegs. But uh, no, man, we really appreciate this. No, I appreciate you guys. Again, sorry for, for being you know difficult. I'm glad you guys were flexible. And you know, hopefully we see you in a couple weeks, man. I've, I've heard some rumblings, so – Hopefully we sneak up to Pittsburgh and, and uh, would love to meet y'all and hopefully celebrate a big win. Have see you in Goldlot. Let's do it. Get the smoker ready, baby. We're coming. It's that time of the year again. We have our very first Loyal Sun Sportsbook of the season. It is so good to be back. The sportsbook's so been running calculations all off season. We've been uh, really crunching the numbers. You know, last year there was some some questions around the validity of the sports books lines. And to that, you know, mind your business. Uh, this year, we are back with the same same format. We'll have a few props, some lines and score predictions. Uh, and also, we want to make this more of a competition. Last year, we did a terrible job of not only keeping track of what props we were and weren't hitting, but also having any semblance of a prize or punishment behind the sports book. So this year we're going to try to do that. Uh, Complete transparency listeners. We don't have one yet. So we're looking to you to help us out, whether it's a prize for first place, a punishment for last place, a mixture of both. Uh, We're we're looking to you, loyal sons, loyal sons, listeners to help us out. Yeah. We tried to uh, outsource it to our tailgate group, but they're a little bit too good at this. And, we want to make it interesting, but we don't want to like ruin our own lives. Like we got suggested, um, loser has to bleach their hair. Loser has to take a bus to and from New York city for the Syracuse game. Uh, loser has to wear a Notre Dame, Robbie Carmody Jersey to a pit basketball game. That or, one's fucked up. Or loser has to go to a midweek Mac basketball game. You would have to take like PTO for that. <laughs> Or just yeah. get home at like 3 a.m. As funny as all of these sound, I ain't doing it. Yeah, give us like a happier medium. Okay, well, we'll work on that. Help us out. Any good ideas, we'll we'll see what we can use. But without further ado, we're going to get started with the sports book. Fellas, first one of the year. Let's, let's shake off the rust. Keep it nice and simple. Um, this one... We're going to go with the spread. I couldn't find a spread online. I think all of us looked through various betting apps and odds websites. So I just made this one up. 
Maybe this is a shitty line. I don't know. Uh, we're going to go pit minus 44 and a half. David, what do you think? I think that's going to hit. Um, I think it'll be a travesty if it doesn't. Uh, I'll, I'll save my score prediction for the end, but there's no reason that Pitt, with as as strong and athletic a team as they have, with a quarterback that knows the system, with a bunch of wide receivers who are going to be playing like their hair is on fire to win, you know, targets the rest of the way. I, I think they're going to come out and, and blow the brakes off of them. I, I, I think Pitt's easily going to win by more than 45. Squid? I also am going to pick Pitt to cover uh, before people come at us about this line. Uh, you looked at a few. USC versus Nevada was 38. Uh, A&M versus New Mexico was 38-point spread. Bama, Middle Tennessee, 39-point spread. So uh, we don't think Vegas would go too, too crazy. But I do think Pitt will win by more than 44. So, well, lock it in. Maybe I, maybe I undersold this one a little bit because I also think they're going to cover. I, like I said, we'll give our score prediction at the end. So maybe this line was a little low. Maybe it would move if Vegas did drop this line. I, I kind of think anything more than this would also be kind of insane. I think that the three of us more likely than not, are just, I don't know, kind of homers for Pitt and think they should beat any FCS opponent by 50 points. But no, I, I think we're fine with where it is. I just think, you know, we're all a little bullish. We've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, when you give me... When was the last time they played football? December. You give me nine months to get my hopes up about Pitt. I'm going to say that they're going to beat an FCS team by 100. So we'll move on from there. Um, first prop of the year, we're going to go over under 0.5 touchdowns for the defense and special teams. And this is one I also thought to maybe go a little higher on, although one and a half defensive or special teams touchdowns feels a little insane. Um, but I'm going to say it goes over. I think we're going to get another, maybe another MJ Devonshire punt return against an FCS school. Maybe we get been hearing all kinds of names thrown out for the potential kick returner they're going to use this year. Maybe a little Shea action. Um, and quite frankly, I think there's going to be a Wofford quarterback seeing ghosts, and he's going to throw a ball directly to Marquez Williams' chest, and it'll be an easy pick six. Are we like the number one Shane Wabuko podcast out there? You were riding the hype train very early and very heavy. And I think I had to tell you to pump the brakes a little. I don't think people talk about (laughs) Shane Obuko aside from us. I see it on the lair and it's always through the same lens that we talk about him through, which is like, this is one of the fastest people in America. He should like when given a football, be able to run by everybody, just run that play. So I think it's just part of the fact that we have, uh, t- tiny little pea brains. And so we just think, ah, oh, fast guy, you run fast, you run to end zone. Andre Powell did say he's been getting reps as a kick returner. So th- I think that's where we'll see him. I haven't heard anything about him in terms of as playing wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, but I think he can be a special teams guy for them this year. 
So Dylan, you, you mentioned what uh, Coach Powell said in the past week, and, and that's actually why I'm also going over. He said the new kick return strategy this year is like just kind of putting the three fastest guys on the team back there, which I love because one, that reduces the risk that our starting running back's going to get hurt. No idea why. Well, I have an idea of why Izzy was back there returning kicks last year. It was because he's the best player on the team. Um, but I love the idea of like, yeah, th this guy isn't going to get significant touches outside of kick returning. And he probably runs a like four two nine. So let's get him back there. He also, I mean, he talked about Devin Shire, who I believe was all the ACC as a returner last year. Yep. Um, talked about AJ Woods, who we know runs about a four, three um, talked about uh, Che. And then I, I think one or two guys, Bub means. were Bub means, Bub means. not a month field. Yep. Yep. Bub means also runs a sub four, four. So we're, we're going to get dudes who have speed and athleticism that you simply aren't going to find at the FCS level back there returning kicks. And that is before we even talk about, Pitt's defense. So I, I feel very comfortable going over there. I was very tempted to take the under just to be different because I feel like we might be on the same page for most of these, but I think Wofford is too stupid to not like snap a ball over the quarterback's head and Pitt just will pick it up and run in for a touchdown or something really dumb like that. So I think we get a defensive touchdown. Lock me in for over. All right. Two for two, us all picking the same. This will make for a very fun game this year, guys. Um, next prop, I think we might get some variety here. Uh, will a wide receiver have 100 or more yards on Saturday? Squig, kick us off. I say yes. I think in the first couple of drives, somebody's going to catch like a 60-yard touchdown and then get like one or two other long balls in the first quarter and a half so someone will get the overmark whether it's bub means bump field that uh number three receiver who's a mystery i guess we'll find out saturday who that actually is but i think somebody will david i'm actually gonna say no um and that's not because i don't think we're going to pass all over wofford i think it's because we're gonna see 15 plus guys get targets really spreading the ball around. Uh, hopefully if we get up quickly enough, you know, if we get a, a defensive or special teams touchdown or two, uh, it, it, we're less incentivized to air it out. I'm sure they're going to give, you know, Phil his shots to get him into a groove. They're going to test out the receiver core, but I mean, receivers alone, we're going to have uh, uh, means Mumfield Reynolds, Kenny Johnson, Zion Fowler L, uh, Copeland's going to get targets. McConaughey's going to get targets. Um, and there's about four, four more guys who will probably see the field and get targets. And also, the way that we have worded this question precludes tight ends. So maybe Gavin will break 100. But I mean, then there's also like three other tight ends who are probably going to see the field. Uh, so I think they'll spread the ball around. And even if someone rips off like an 80 yarder, they could still finish with like a two for 94 on the day. Cause again, I, I think they're going to feed as many mouths as they can see what they have. Yeah. You added that. And I, I was going to maybe 
see if we could revise the prop. But now that you've too late, it, we will keep it as only wide receivers. Uh, I'm going to say no as well, just because kind of all the same things you just said. I think there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed, and I think there's going to be some guys who maybe don't even put the shoulder pads or the helmet back on for the second half uh, or fourth quarter. So, yeah, probably going to have a couple guys who are, you know, Bob Means might have three for 94. Kanade Mumpfield might go two for 72. But I, like you said, I think the ball is going to get spread around. And then maybe near the end of the game, Narduzzi is just going to say, all right, let's just run the ball and get get the hell out of here. Um, so I'm going to say no as well. So could we, could we give Squid the opportunity, since he was so daring to uh, zag what we zigged, to earn a bonus point by correctly guessing who it will be? Obliged. Squid. I will go with. You know. Having trouble naming a pit receiver over there. No, I want to go something off the wall, but guy doesn't know ball. No. Just give me Montfield. I think we'll get a deep one and then like four or five additional completions. Okay. Cool. There it is. You get a bonus point for Mumfield if he gets, goes over 100 yards. Um, next one, move over to the defensive side of the ball. Over, under three and a half players credited with a sack on Saturday. Um, I think I'm going to put a mortgage on the over here. I'm just going to come out first and say, give me the over. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I... I think they could very nearly double that amount. Uh, I, I could see six guys getting sacks on Saturday. Um, that That's kind of what they leaned more towards last year as opposed to uh, just having two world-shattering defensive ends that would rack up sacks. Um, last year, they had to blitz the linebackers a lot. They had, you know, can't see up the middle, um, and the defensive ends were still productive. Uh, you saw them using more... Uh, blitzes to get home to the quarterback as opposed to previous years where we've just sent four guys and been pretty okay. Um, so I, I think you'll see, like last year, um, Pitt supplement losing your Kalijah Kansies, your John Morgans, your Deslin Alexanders with uh, just sending a variety of guys from a variety of different spots on a variety of different blitz packages and we'll we'll see a pretty even stat line top to bottom. Hard to argue with you guys. I'm going to zag here just to be a little different also, because I think there's an opportunity for Dayon Hayes to just clean up all the sacks and everyone else is going to be getting to the backfield a half second too late. And they're like, Oh, Dayon has another one. Would be cool. Could happen. Uh, so I'm going to go under here, but I don't feel great about it. But you know, fortune favors the bull. Next, this isn't this the same strategy that got you like killed last year in the sports book? Uh, we didn't keep track of score, we never knew what happened. So, how how do you know? Because we at least kept it half the year, and you were definitely getting like dog walked by me and Squid. I have a big windshield and a small rear view mirror. All right, all right, this is a fun one. It wasn't so fun last year because. It was just Izzy every single week. Uh, but we're going to go back to the well here. First touchdown score prop. Uh, correct answer gets you 
two points, and then we might have to adjust this throughout the year if, you know, Rodney Hammond becomes the new Izzy who just scores all of our offensive touchdowns. So um, I'll kick us off here. And a lot of directions you can go here, especially against an FCS opponent. Like we said, we think we might have a kick return touchdown, might be a defensive special teams touchdown, but uh, we're not getting any extra points for picking the defense or special teams. So I'm going to go, I don't want to go straight chalk here. I feel like Rodney Hammond's a straight chalk pick. Give me a Phil Dracovic. God damn it. Maybe on a little bootleg. Phil gets to the corner. His first touchdown back in Heinz Field. The kid's back home. And that's the start to this wonderful 2023 season. I'm pissed, Dylan. You took... You took the one I was going to take, and I I agree with you completely. I think uh, I think you if can we still get take in, them, I'm not going to, but I do think if we get inside like the five, the first drive, they're going to let Phil run a quarterback draw or something just to like, if, if nothing else, a nice symbolic moment. Phil getting the first touchdown of the season back in Pittsburgh, you know, show that he is the leader of this football team. Um, So since you took my really good idea, I'm going to go with Rodney Hammond. I'm going to take the chalk pick. I think that's a pretty good pick. Uh, I could see this one up being the Rodney Hammond show for the first touchdown score of each game, but not this game. I think we're going Gavin Bartholomew. We're getting down inside the five play action to Rodney Hammond. Dump it off the Bart over the middle. I did almost want to take Dan Carter. Maybe Dan Carter out of the backfield. I mean, this would be a play action pass for sure. But the Gavin Bartholomew is my final answer. I think that would be the best outcome. That like if he was the first touchdown score, I think that that's the one that would make me happiest because it shows one, they're actually gonna use him this year. Two, Phil can throw touchdown passes, something we haven't seen since Kenny. Um, and three, he's our boy. So that'd be, that'd be great. I, I like that you brought up Dan Carter though. Cause I think Dan Carter was the most whiffed on pick last year. We just kept trying it. And he never fucking scored the first touchdown of the season or the, or a game. Yeah. It was Izzy like every single time I would have, we, we might have to go back and run some numbers on that. Um, all right. Finally, it's here. Our first score predictions of the season. I think I want Squid to go first and give us the first score prediction. I will go first. I said Pitt was going to cover. I think they cover by a lot more than 44 and a half. Wow. This game ends up 59 to three. Just a lot of touchdowns. Ben Sauls gets some work. And Wofford gets a field goal. David? Gave him the pity field goal. Uh give me give me fifty-six to ten. Um Pitt does its thing. We're up thirty-eight at half. Put in some backups. We we get to see what a lo- couple young guys are working with. Um my only my only uh fun little twist here is that uh Wofford's touchdown is scored against the first team because we do get a token 
uh, the guys are sleeping and the FCS running back, the, the little white running back rips off a 80 yard touchdown run. And everybody's like, what the shit was that? Okay. Now let's we're locked in. We got punched in the face. We're awake now. Never again. I feel like something similar will happen. I don't know if it'll be a little white running back or if it'll be a deep ball over the top on just a, on a miscommunication with the safety, something like that. Um, but not much more than that. I'm going to go 52 seven. They just cover my 44 and a half. Um, you know, I, when it's picking these FCS games. I think back to, okay, Pitt beat New Hampshire 77 to seven a few years back, but it was also Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison's offense. I'm not ready to, say that we're going to have that same firepower this year. I also we think are. Wa- yeah, we are. You're right. Uh, yep. But I think Wofford's going to be terrible. It's so hard to pick. How is Pitt going to really want to play this? Like you said, are they going to open up the playbook at all? Probably not with two power five opponents coming up. So I'm going to say 52 to seven. I think they can get there fairly easy with a fairly condensed playbook. And I think we're out of there. You know, I'll, I'll stick around through the fourth quarter if you guys are down, but uh, there might be some pressure to you know get us over to tc and start start the after party speaking of uh that walk to tc do we want to start do we want to talk about how we're going to be formatting our uh weekly content during the season let's do that offline whatever there's your tease Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently, and I guess that's Dylan's way of saying we should work out some kinks before we announce it. So be on the lookout for that. It's time for our final thoughts. It is our final, final thoughts before the 2023 football season. Uh, Final Thoughts is brought to you by Guerrero Law. Um, A lot of highs and lows amongst this group this week. I know that Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, But that's the life of a Panther fan. It's full of highs and lows. Regular everyday life can be the same, too. Maybe you're cruising down Bigelow Boulevard and get into an accident. Maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fairly. Maybe other firms won't take your case seriously. If you find yourself in a situation where you need help, call Guido at Guerrera Law. That's GuerreraLaw.com. G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. 412-229-7757. Guido is licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and he's located right here in Pittsburgh. He is a loyal son himself. Give Guido a call. Fellas, it's final thoughts. I know we've got a whole lot on our minds. I can barely wait until Saturday, but we got to get out of here with these final thoughts and get some stuff off our chest. Squid, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so a big matchup between... uh, Pitt and Wofford, obviously, that's the top of our mind, but there's also another local matchup coming soon, and that is Penn State versus West Virginia. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of interesting dynamics in this game. Yes. We hate both schools, obviously. I hope both teams lose. Not possible, unfortunately. So since that is not possible, what do we want to happen? I think my first thought of final thoughts is – West Virginia wins because Penn State loses. Their season is ruined. They're worried that Drew Allar, their savior, sucks. And West Virginia looks better whenever we beat them. Is that the right answer? Yeah. That probably is. I've gone back and forth on this so many times, though. Like, it's so, so tough. 
to. I mean, the flip side is if West Virginia wins, Penn, or we're a little bit worried. Is West Virginia actually somehow decent? Is this going to be a tougher game for us than we thought? It's a lot of added anxiety yeah, going because West Virginia three. might be riding high, and we just beat Penn State. They have an easier game against Duquesne. They're no going to be so Dukes. annoying. Yeah, if they even keep that game close going into the brawl. Yeah, so I think ideally West Virginia beats Penn State in an but ugly game shitty, yeah. where both teams look bad. But obviously for West Virginia, it doesn't matter. But if Drew Alar looks like shit, then Penn State fans are on high alert. And like we said, okay, they look bad. Penn State looked bad. We still beat them in Morgantown. Heck, even if they look good, we still have to play them and we still have to beat them. So... Yeah, that probably is the right answer, but it's also like, oh, do I have to root for West Virginia in a game? That's why this sucks. I think the best outcome is uh, West Virginia either like takes it to the wire or wins in a really, really sloppy game where, like you said, Alar looks terrible. And then Duquesne beats West Virginia. And, and then Duquesne. we and then we beat the shit out of West Virginia. And not only do we beat the shit out of West Virginia, we get to turn around to Penn State and be like, Oh yeah, this is this is your big playoff push here, isn't it? Maybe we could pay a Duquesne player to like twist CJ Donaldson's ankle at the bottom of a pile or something. That would break like a like a bunch of laws, so uh, disavow. But uh, if it happens, it wasn't us. I swear. The people know that the loyal sons don't have that kind of pull. But yeah, I mean, we're looking for some combination of both teams looking terrible and then Pitt having some sort of leverage after what we do to West Virginia, which is also going to be illegal on several levels. Okay. Uh, my final thought really didn't want to have to talk about any basketball related things until at least like a month or so football's here, but we really don't have a choice around this one. Uh, it was announced on Friday in the standard Friday evening news dump that Dior Johnson is no longer enrolled at the university of Pittsburgh. And this is not news to Pitt fans um, listening to this now. I'm sure you've heard of it by the time you're listening to the pod. But this was news to us on Friday, and it caught a lot of us off guard, but also like we weren't really surprised. But it was like, why now? This timing's weird. Did something happen? And overall, it's... I'll say it. I, I wasn't looking forward to having to root for Dior Johnson this mm-hmm. year as part of the Pitt basketball team, but him being on the Pitt basketball team, I would have to root for him in a sense that I want the team to win. Um, bit of a relief that I don't have to go through that moral dilemma this season. And uh, Pitt administration, th- this ain't a great look for how this played out. No. No. Um yeah, it's. I, I think a lot of the conjecture is that the new chancellor might have had something to do with this um, and might have just, you know, taken up the job and looked around the athletic department and was like, hey, what? Who? Who's that? What? What's that over? What? And, and, you know, acted accordingly when they found out that this person might have done this and was still given 
another opportunity. But yeah, it, if that's the case, that is a, a pretty bad look that uh, the current administration and current coaching staff pushed to keep that. And then a new chancellor came in and said, yeah, absolutely not. And and I, I can't decide who, what, what angle makes it look worse. But uh, I think overall the fact that not everyone's on the same page that's definitely a yeah bad not great yeah mismanaged for sure i thought we would be having this conversation in december yeah i thought december would come around and there'd be adversity in some way shape or form and dior would hit the road uh but nope and i guess on the bright side it's the last time we have to talk about dior johnson this is college career over. Who knows? I don't know where he and plays basketball starts, next. Classes start like Monday. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he goes to a Juco when it's the subject of last chance you next year. But irregardless, a relief that we don't have to this conversation because I'm sure it would be a headache one way or another down the road. So we're starting the year with a clean slate. I, I remember when um, news broke last December and we had determined that there is only one Dior Johnson in Oakland and it was the one on the basketball team uh, that was subject to police investigation. Chris Peak tweeted a poll that was essentially, will he ever dribble a basketball in an NCAA regulated game in a pit uniform? I think most pit fans said no. Uh, so I, I think that just goes to show. I think that's the perfect sim like, emblem of the Dior Johnson era in Pitt. And honestly, they probably should have just let him walk then. Yeah. A Dior Johnson Pitt jersey is going to be like an insanely hard darty jersey for some Pitt student in like six years. But for, for basketball terms, like aside from the whole Dior saga and everything that went on with it, this leaves Pitt with three scholarship guards, two of them being true freshmen. Um, so yeah, an already shaky guard situation that I wasn't super excited about just got a little shakier. Good news is it sounds like Carlton Carrington. I think we've decided we're going to call him Carl. He goes by Carlton or Bub, but we like Carl, Carl Carrington, uh, balled out in Spain and seems like he could be a legit point guard for the Panthers has a good size. Just a little worried about freshman ball handlers. Uh, yeah, it's. You don't he, see many teams make runs in March Madness playing two freshmen as their primary ball handlers. So. Yeah, this can be a future final thought, but the full, well, one of the full games from Spain is on YouTube, and I watched it, and I uh, jotted down some notes for each player. So I'm going to go ahead and delete my notes from watching Dior on that one game. But yeah, Carl Carrington going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, the silver lining to this is um, we had heard enough that Carrington was pushing for that starting spot that when we heard that Dior was no longer with with the University of Pittsburgh, a lot of us immediately jumped to, oh, he got his spot taken and then quit the team, just rage quit um, before we you know, started hearing that that wasn't the case. So this isn't just like, a, oh, we didn't need him anyway, like we've known for a little bit that 
Carrington is legit and pushing for that spot. Enough basketball. It's football season. Yeah. David, you get this final thought, and you are in this one, buddy. So take it away. Thank you. Uh, I got engaged this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, super excited. Um, uh, there, there's a, a pit component. We, we aren't just sharing things about our, our life here. You know that's that's not us. There is a pit component. Um, I uh, proposed with a kitten. My uh, my girlfriend is fiance. <laughs> wow. My my fiance is a huge cat person and I come from a family where everybody has a fake cat allergy so that we don't ever have to be around them like we go over to people's houses that have cats and they have to put them away cuz like my my dad and siblings get freaked out by cats. I don't know. It's weird. I don't want to talk about it. But uh, I surprised her with a kitten when she came home Saturday morning. Uh, and the uh, to get the, the mushy stuff out of the way, the kitten was wearing a little little medallion on the collar. It was a locket that opened up and said, will you marry me? And then I gave her a ring and we promised to spend the rest of our lives together, whatever. But more importantly, more importantly than all that, um, we we had an agreement from earlier in our relationship that if I got her a cat, I got to name it. And one of my buddies came up with the name Kitty Pickett. And uh, somehow, some way, Kitty Pickett got the okay from my fiance. So now that adorable little fluff ball who I can't help but love that you saw in my lap earlier in the episode is named Kitty Pickett. And the best part about that is uh, one of the so, someone who was at my my engagement party on Saturday night um, actually knows Kenny and texted him that he was at an engagement party where the dude proposed with a cat that is now named Kitty Pickett. And uh, Kenny thought it was pretty funny. So Kenny Pickett knows that there is a cat out there named Kitty Pickett. And he knows that that cat was part of, you know, the the negotiation, the offering in a marriage pact. And he thinks it's funny. So that was about the best engagement gift you can get if you're me. So I'm... Yeah. Also, shameless plug, uh, I got engaged in Roback Joggers um, because I was like, if I'm going to be sweating and shaking and convulsing and just pacing around my house, I I need to put on the most comfortable clothes I own. So that's how I used my engagement to sell athleisure wear. Congratulations on so many levels. Thank you. Grind never stops. Congrats, David. Happy for you guys. And uh, I'm glad you got it out of the way before football season. Now you can really focus on what matters. Yeah. Yeah. The the timing was mysterious, some have told me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, if I ever get told, oh, my God, are you watching football again tonight? I can just point to someone's left hand and it's. 
it, it's kind of a null. It's an argument nullifier a little bit. The timing is mysterious. Some might say tread lightly. Chestnut checkers. Well, with that, this is the uh, the last sign off before we get to watch the Pitt Panthers play football. So, please win. Please, please, please win. Please beat that absolute breaks off the Wofford Terriers. Please come to Gold Lot and drink some icy lights with us. Have some wings. Talk some football. And uh, the season's here, boys. Couldn't be happier. Thank Christ. Even happier than David after getting engaged. Maybe. Well, with that, we'll see you all at the gold gold lot on Saturday. Can't wait. See you all on North Shore. As always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh. Please one.